Chicago Bears keeping the number one overall pick. Is Caleb Williams going to be that number one overall pick? Are the Washington Commanders thinking about trying to trade up to get that pick now that they have Cliff Kingsbury on their staff? There is a lot of NFL draft questions to be answered here as we head towards the draft in April. Matt Miller, ESPN draft analyst, kind enough to join us here on Amber and Ian. And Matt, thanks so much for your time. You are at the Senior Bowl in Mobile, Alabama. You just came out with your latest mock coming off of the Senior Bowl and what you saw there. I'm going to get to all of that in just a second, but let's first talk about what I just mentioned. Cliff Kingsbury is now the OC of the Washington Commanders. He was obviously just at USC with Caleb Williams. Those two are reportedly close. Do you see Caleb Williams going to Chicago or do you think that there could be a play here now where he ends up going to Washington and your latest mock, you still have him going to Chicago at number one? Yeah, I, I love the, the dot connecting that we're able to do because of, of Cliff Kingsbury being hired. Uh, I still think that the ball is in the Chicago Bears court. They have the number one overall pick. Caleb Williams has been the top player in this draft for two years now. And it just so happens the Bears have a need at quarterback because Justin Fields has not proven he's the guy. It's, I always say this about quarterbacks. If you have to ask if he's the guy, he's not the guy. And so, sure, Cliff Kingsbury and GM Adam Peters and head coach Dan Quinn could all love Caleb Williams. But the Chicago Bears have to want to move off him in order for this to be a reality. So it's very early in this process. You know, these guys just got hired this week. I think when we get to the NFL scouting combine in about three weeks, we're going to get a lot more clarity. And, you know, right now it's a a key time where the Bears general manager, Ryan Poles, and his staff, you know, a whole new offensive staff there in Chicago, they're evaluating these quarterbacks right now like we all are. And and they will certainly have a decision to make. I'm not – I don't want to rule it out. I think there's a world in which the Bears could say – We'll stick with Caleb Williams and trade the pick. I think there's a world in which the Bears say, we like Drake May. We like Jaden Daniels. We're willing to slide back one spot and pick up the extra draft capital and take one of those quarterbacks. So there's, there's certainly some options that could get Caleb Williams back to his hometown of Washington. But I think the most likely scenario is that Chicago just takes him. And here's a kicker. This is something that has been lost in the shuffle, and we neglected to mention it last night. The Chicago Bears control this whole damn thing. It's, it's not up to Caleb Williams. He can be. He can try and force his way out. But the Bears can sit there and play a remarkable game of chicken uh, with it, a, a, a prospect that every scout I've talked to, Matt, just compares him to Andrew Luck. Now, you mentioned Drake May. You mentioned Jaden Daniels. J.J. McCarthy's out there also. I'm a, I'm a big Pratt fan out of, out of Tulane as well. Uh, when you look at the next the, those guys after Caleb Williams, because I believe Williams is an um kind of in his class of his own. How do you look at the rest of this quarterback class? Yeah, I would break it down into tiers. Caleb, I'm with you, Ian. He's by himself. Like, he's just up there. You know, he's the top of the, of the pyramid, if you will. Then you go to Drake May, North Carolina, Jaden Daniels, LSU, both really talented players. Very likely they will come off the board at number two and number three overall. Then I think you go down a tier, and you have Bo Nix from Oregon, J.J. McCarthy from Michigan, and you probably put Michael Penix from Washington in there, depending on how the medical feedback goes at the Combine. He was at Indiana for four years. He was injured all four years at Indiana with season-ending injuries, including two ACL injuries on his right knee. So that's a bit of an issue. After that, you get into Spencer Rattler, South Carolina. Maybe, as you mentioned, Michael Pratt from Tulane is in that same group as well. So this is a year in which, you know, it's Caleb Williams by himself, and then there's 
you know, two or three guys, two or three guys. And I'll tell you, it is the year in which we're going to see the quarterbacks come off the board pretty early. I don't think this is a year where you're getting, you know, round five, round six player that, that is viewed as a potential starter. You have the first three picks going quarterbacks, as you mentioned, and then that next quarterback, Bo Nix, not going until 12th right now in your latest mock going to the Denver Broncos. Matt Miller, ESPN draft analyst on Amber and Ian. So you ended up, Matt, with 20-plus senior bowl prospects on this latest mock of yours, including one standout in the top 10 picks. Who is that standout? And is this somebody that was a standout to you before or somebody who you've really changed your opinion on from from watching him in the senior bowl. Yeah, I think a little bit of both. You always go to the senior bowl with an idea, you know, of, of what players are going to look like. You have the expectation after watching film, but then you get to see them in person. And the player you mentioned is uh, Talise Fuaga from Oregon State. He was their right tackle. He played some left tackle last week in Mobile. He, he's fantastic. And I have him going 10th overall to the New York Jets where they have a gigantic need at tackle. This is like they have to get that figured out. But Boyga uh, had such a great week, and I know there are conversations that he might be the best tackle in this entire draft. So this is a spot where need meets value here. Um, knew he was a good player, but being able to watch him throughout the week to to see in person a player's movement skills, to see their strengths, their weaknesses, their upside, to watch them from Tuesday to Saturday to see how they improve under NFL coaching. Uh, he, he was definitely. Uh, I think you could safely say he was the best player uh, in Mobile while we were there. Matt Miller, ESPN NFL draft analyst, joining us here on Amber and Ian during Super Bowl week because the draft never gets old and it's 365 days a year. It's a constant eval for guys like Matt Miller. And, Matt, you mentioned the big fella out of Oregon State, and you look at, at the depth at, all, at the offensive line in this draft. If you're an NFL team, that is looking to protect your quarterback and open up some holes for a run game. Can you please put into perspective for every NFL fan out there how deep this O-line draft truly is? It's remarkable. I think we could see seven or eight offense tackles drafted in the first round. Uh, I have, right now, I have three offensive tackles rated in my top 12 players. I have six in my top 23 uh, it's it's such a good group in my in my top 45 there are nine offensive tackles so it is a great group and these are guys this is a good draft class so they're not just artificially being pushed up the board because they're offensive tackles these are quality players uh joe alt from notre dame in most draft classes joe alt would be in the conversation as the first or second best player in the class this is just a ridiculously good year uh, olu fashano from penn state with same conversation he's up there as an elite player we talked about fuaga an elite player uh, guys like Tyler Guyton from Oklahoma, J.C. Latham from Alabama, Amarius Mims from Georgia are all year one starters with super high upside. So, yeah, if you're a team like the New York Jets, you need a tackle, this is a great year to go get one of those players. And and there are a lot of those clubs. The Tennessee Titans, you, you badly need a left tackle. Uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers to go tackle in back-to-back years to try to shore up their offensive line. Same with the Arizona Cardinals. They can go tackle back-to-back years to shore up that offensive line. So, it is a, a great year indeed. Uh, quarterbacks, wide receivers, offensive tackles. This is a great year for all those positions. So Fuaga was a standout at the Senior Bowl. Give me somebody, Matt, who really improved his draft stock dramatically from his performance at the Senior Bowl. Yeah, I'll go right here in my home state, Darius Robinson, the defensive end from Missouri. I thought he was probably a top 45 player headed into Mobile. He was at number 30 overall in my mock draft. He had that good of a week. So 
you you see a play. He's six foot five, two hundred ninety pounds, but you watch him move, and he looks like he's two hundred sixty pounds. It's it's remarkable how well he moves for his size, his versatility up and down the defensive line. He could play you know five technique over the tackle. He could play six technique out in space. Missouri at times even put him on the inside as a gap penetrator. So he is incredibly talented and was one of those players where you just couldn't you couldn't not watch him at practice because he was he was just dominant in everything he did. Uh, give me thirty seconds on this because maybe we're skewed because we saw these guys a lot in person. But when it comes to slot receiver, Ricky Pearsall, Roman Wilson, Lab McConkey, I think these dudes are going to be steals in this draft. Are we off? Nope, not at all. You are you are spot on. All three had such a great week. Roman Wilson, especially. I Dude, I was just fascinated mercy. watching him because so talented. No, uh, and by the way, Veets or Winstrels at, at in Mobile. Which way are you going? Uh, Winst- Winstrels uh, and Veets. I'm getting a little older, so Veets was when I was younger. You know, <laughs> now I'm now I'd like to just chill with like some oysters and a beer. I, I can't do the the 3 a.m. nights anymore. I'm too old. <laughs> That's when you get yeah, your good intel from the Matt. GMs. Yeah, there you go, man. <laughs> uh, we got it. Uh, we got it, Matt. Darius Robinson, by the way, was the same answer that Jim Nagy gave us yeah. yesterday uh, to that same exact question. So that is definitely a guy who really has dramatically improved his draft stock. Matt Miller, ESPN NFL anal- or ESPN draft analyst, rather. Thanks, Matt. Thanks, guys. Have a great night. See you, bud. NFL good. draft, NFL draft analyst. It's all the same. Coming up Win- next here. Winstrels, by the way, if you love oysters, that's your mm-hmm. spot, downtown I Mobile. Do love, I, do, I do love oysters. Mercy. I don't know if I, if I think Mobile, Alabama when I think oysters, but I'll take your word for it. Yeah, Coming up man. next here on Amber Indian. What's it going to take for people to start believing in Brock Purdy? We'll get to that. Amber and Ian is on ESPN Radio. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Here's Purdy on a roll, and he's going to get sacked. No, he got not. away from his sack and a roll to his left, and he'll throw to the sideline. Oh, 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 you shit. An unbelievable play by Brock Purdy. I saw something that Stephen A. said where he said, if Brock Purdy shows up in the Super Bowl, that's it. No more question of Brock Purdy. I know better than that because he can show up in the Super Bowl, and if he start off the season bad, four bad games, they're going to be like, he's a game manager. They trust Brock Purdy to do more things than they ever trusted Jimmy Garoppolo to do. Their passing game is more complex than it ever was under Jimmy Garoppolo. College for me. Great song. What's the name of this band? I feel like Bare Naked Ladies. Bare Naked Ladies. I feel like a million dollars, though. 
ain't quite what it used to be. Like, I feel like we need. Yeah, this came out one in the. Like, now we need more of this. Like, we like, need more than a million. In right, the late on. 90s, right? Like, he's buying buy a lot of things in this song, you know? She's Amber Wilson. I'm Ian Fitzsimmons. You're on ESPN Radio. This song, I'm guessing it was around 94, 95, somewhere in that, that area. You could have retired on a million dollars. Now yeah. you got no shot in retiring on a million dollars. In this song, he yeah. he names all these things he's buying her. Well, yes, but, but you can't do all that with a million. Any, I mean, he, the broke. first thing he says is a house. Like you're pretty much like you're already like you're kind of already tapped out, buddy. How much how much else were you doing here? A damn sweet at the Super Bowl in Vegas this weekend cost two point five million dollars for a twenty person suite. You, you got, you, you got, that's just that's stupid though. That's not 2024. That's an inflation. That's just stupidity, is what that is. But by the way, we are not making that up. A suite no. right now in the Couple Super Bowl. Million. It's not even a, if you had a million dollars, you are not getting a suite at the Super Bowl. Nope. The smallest junior suite is 1.4 million. The normal size suite is 2.5 million dollars. Doesn't make any again. sense. Uh, I, 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 you know, that's why the Super Bowl, in terms of the actual attendance, ends up being corporations and a bunch of people that aren't necessarily invested in either team. Because when you're talking that kind of money, Ian, the only people who can afford it, it's not going to be individuals buying suites. I mean, even if you're super, super filthy rich, like who the hell wants to spend two and a half million on a suite? Right? Maybe if I'm a billionaire and I would have to ha- be a billion, I mean, even hundreds of millions, I ain't blowing two and a half no. on a suite for a game. Hell no. It, 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 right? I mean, that's nope. it. Nope. So nope. what I way, would let, do, let though, if I'm. You. Even a rich person can't afford that damn suite. You got to be wealthy. And there's a difference between rich well, and wealthy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you got to be wealthy. Uh, but that's not who's buying that. Who's buying that is Coca-Cola, right? And then, you know, they send their executive team and whatever. It's corporations. To them, it's a drop in the in the hat. I mean, that's right. the only explanation because individuals. Now, how Olivia Culpa and, and Christian McCaffrey ends up pulling off a suite because apparently they did, and then she had tweeted out, you know, happy birthday, Linda, or whatever. I got you a suite, which is Christian McCaffrey's mother. I don't, I don't know how that all went down. But I feel like they had to have gotten a discount. Because as successful as, as they are, $2.5 million still seems insane. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, it's I, a I whole would, different ballgame. <laughs> it's a, sit a suite. Like, I'll just sit in the seats, man. Yeah, I would think CMC probably had to kick in on on that suite uh, for, with the fiance. Uh, if your if your gross net value or, or net value is ten mil, as well, what's that's reported what it said on the internet of her net yeah. worth. Which who knows? I mean, I think if you look up like Ian Fitzsimmons' net worth on the internet, here, let's do that right now. <laughs> it ain't going to be there, baby. I promise you. Net worth. That's not going to get you a Google search. <laughs> what we're working with. Oh, no, it's here. Uh, what? Let's, oh, yeah. One and a half million is, is what uh, it off. is telling me here. Way that off. is That is your net worth. Uh, it even no has a shot. video of you on here. So what? it is the right Ian Fitzsimmons. It is absolutely Ian Fitzsimmons net worth. There you go. It has a video of you uh, from SportsCenter where it looks like your daughter was very little in this video. I don't know. Oh, that's that's Rowan when uh, Michigan State was playing uh, in the Big Ten title to get to the college football playoff. Are you gonna get, you're going to get me all teary eyed, but I'll tell you this, milli. it ain't one and a half mil. We got, you know what? You cut that in about a third. <laughs> well, what we did learn is it doesn't matter Maybe how one and a half million in is. debt. 
Well, Ian Fitzsimmons cannot afford a suite at the Super Bowl. That's what we did learn uh, for uh, for the internet searches today. Amber and Ian presented by Progressive Insurance. Save when you bundle motorcycle, RV, and boat insurance. Visit Progressive.com. So I don't know where Brock Purdy's parents are going to be or his girlfriend or anybody else in his camp. I imagine that the players do get their loved ones into this game in some capacity. But are people going to believe in Brock Purdy? After this Super Bowl, what does Brock Purdy have to do, Ian? Because the criticism's been kind of weird around Brock Purdy, right? A story that we should all love universally in America. And yet there is some criticism surrounding this quarterback. So what does he have to do? I have no earthly idea. I think it would have been better for him if he was an undrafted free agent like Kurt Warner, like Tony Romo, and not drafted dead last and been tagged at Mr. Irrelevant. And it would be, the narrative would be completely different. I, I don't know. I, I can't. I can't put my finger on it. Outside of he, he's tagged as the last person drafted, which is Mister Irrelevant. And if he was a UDFA, I, I, I think he has Im, immense. I think there's a lot more belief in Brock Purdy and a lot more respect with, with Brock Purdy if he was undrafted. I, I, I truly believe that. I mean, it, it's it's crazy. Look at look at what he's done. Look at the numbers he's put right. up. He's he's led. As a rookie and in his second year, he has taken and helped the, the San Francisco 49ers get to a bare minimum of an NFC championship game. Right. Now, in this run, he has helped had to help lead back-to-back comebacks in the fourth quarter to get to the Super Bowl. So not only has he been out playing out front with a lead, but now it's gone, all right, you know what? I screwed up a little bit in the first half. Let's go rip this thing. Bam. You know, comes comes from behind. And if he's a first-round pick or a second-round pick, oh, look how he overcame his mistakes. Oh, my gosh. What remarkable mental fortitude. Instead, it's, well, he put him in that position anyway. I, I don't get it, Amber. And the only thing that I can think of is because he's tagged as Mr. Irrelevant. And I pro- there's zero doubt in my mind. If he was an UDFA, an undrafted free agent, it's his feel-good underdog story. Oh, my gosh, look what he's been able to do. Kurt Warner coming off stocking shelves in in, in a grocery store, and he's helping lead the St. Louis Rams to a Super Bowl. That's the kind of narrative I think you would have with Brock Purdy if he wasn't drafted dead last. Heck, if he was drafted one spot ahead of being Mr. Irrelevant, it probably feels a bit different. I do think the Mr. Irrelevant thing, where he's drafted, has everything to do with this. But I also think it has a lot to do with what team he was drafted to as well. And that we are talking about a team that we have seen other quarterbacks have success in. We are talking about a team that we did see Jimmy Garoppolo in a Super Bowl for, right? And and a team that has a coach that a lot of people consider him the mastermind of the whole operation and that it's a system there. That's the brilliance of Kyle Shanahan. And so because of that, it's sort of easy to accuse any quarterback in that system then of being a system quarterback, particularly when the guy is an unknown, when he is the last pick in the entire draft. And most of us hardly know who he is when he's coming out of college. I've heard other people say that it's 
that pundits don't want to be wrong about Brock Purdy. And so they're not willing to now admit that they might have gotten it wrong. I don't actually think that's true because none of us were wrong about Brock Purdy. Most of us had no idea anything about Brock Purdy. Most of us weren't discussing Brock Purdy. I didn't do a single NFL draft show. You just heard us on with Matt Miller. And if you missed anything here on Amber and Ian, check out the podcast on the ESPN app. Matt Miller, an ESPN NFL draft analyst, when I had him on before Brock Purdy gets drafted, is Mr. Irrelevant ever asked him a single question about Brock Purdy, right? I didn't ask any of our draft analysts about Brock Purdy. We weren't having Mel on talking about Brock Purdy. And so it's not, I don't think it's about being wrong. He just wasn't even on anybody's radar. Nobody was familiar with him outside of people who actually study this thing like you. And so he comes into the league and it's easy to sort of just accuse him of being a product of the system because we've seen other quarterbacks work in that system. Yeah. Well, guess what? Donovan McNabb worked in Andy Reid's and Alex Smith worked in Andy Reid's. I mean, Patrick Mahomes was the top 10 pick. Different narrative, right? I mean, Bruce Arians had Kurt Warner and Andrew Luck and Tom Brady. Is it a system? I mean, oh, I mean, come on. I mean, we pick and choose where we're going to assign, well, it's a system versus the dude's just got talent. And here, here's why, a narrative. Why is you, it so insulting I don't know. to be a system quarterback anyways? Great I mean, maybe question. it is the, maybe it is in part the system that he's the perfect quarterback to run this particular system. But also, why is that a bad thing? Uh, you know what? You know who led the, the league in yards per play when it comes to passing? Brock, Brock Purdy. damn Purdy. Right. Uh, so if he is a product of the system, he's doing a hell of a job in that system. <laughs> right. So what does it matter? Like, I don't really care what he looks like in another system. I see him in this system. I only need him to be good in this system because this is the only system he's playing in. So I don't really care if it's the system, frankly, because either way, he's good. Coming up next here on Amber and Ian, what would a third Super Bowl mean for Patrick Mahomes' legacy here on ESPN Radio? We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. The Chiefs have the Lamar Hunt Trophy, and they're taking it to Vegas for Super Bowl 58. I thought our guys played hard, aggressive football. They did, they came out and played their hearts out. Mahomes to throw it, fires it near side to Kelsey, comes back to the ball and holds it in. Touchdown, Kansas City. Our job now is to prepare ourselves to play a good football team in the Super Bowl and try to get that ring. You can doubt the Chiefs. You can dislike the Chiefs. You can disrespect the Chiefs. You're going to have to deal with the Chiefs. Nobody disrespects the Chiefs. I mean, it's a great call, but everybody respects the damn Chiefs. I'm just saying. It is Super Tuesday here on Amber and Ian. Amber and Ian presented by Progressive Insurance. As nobody disrespects the Chiefs, James. Uh, As we head towards Super Bowl 58, we have not forgotten, though, about the NBA. The NBA is on ESPN Radio Sunset Warriors, Saturday, 8 p.m. Eastern on our airwaves. And then before you get knee-deep in Super Bowl food, seas at heat Sunday, 1.30 p.m. Eastern here on ESPN Radio. What would meaning... What would winning a third Super Bowl mean for the legacy of Patrick Mahomes? Well, let's bring in somebody who knows a thing or two about winning Super Bowls. Two-time Super Bowl champ, Chad Henney, former Chiefs quarterback, former Michigan quarterback as well, kind enough to join us. And Chad, thanks so much for your time. Let's start with that. 
it, it he's got two rings. Everybody respects Patrick Mahomes. Everybody already thinks he's probably the greatest of this generation. What would winning a third ring here, though, mean for his legacy overall? Well, I think it's just going to keep adding. I mean, he's so young, and to establish something at that age is truly tremendous. And obviously, just keep piling them up. I think they're obviously comparing him to Tom Brady, and who knows if anybody will ever get the seven. But if I'm a betting man, I could bet on Patrick being the guy that could do it, not saying he's going to do it, but definitely will help his legacy for sure. Chad, why can't we just let it breathe and enjoy the moment? Why do we have to ju- keep jumping ahead and going, well, can he catch Tom? Or what does it mean to his legacy? Why can't we just judge at the end of someone's career in this day and age? Yeah, I, I would totally agree. I and mean, obviously he's off to a great start. And, um, you know, he's just a tremendous person, a tremendous leader for the Chiefs. And like you said, yeah, let's just judge him now. He's already in the moment doing some really good things. And I feel like he's only going to get better. Do you think, Chad, that we'll see a quarterback play into well into his mid-40s anytime soon? I'm not talking about Mahomes and the seven and all of that, but just generally what we saw Tom Brady do just simply in terms of longevity. Do you think that this is a new thing? You played the position where these guys can actually get out there and play at a really high level until 45 years old? Uh, I mean, I'm surely didn't. I hung it out last year at 38, so... Uh, I had enough at 15, but I mean, Aaron Rodgers is still in it. I don't know how much longer he wants to play, but I mean, if you protect yourself and play the right way, I mean, you're still going to take hits each and every week and, you know, you have to take care of your body, but if you protect yourself the right way and get the ball out and, you know, don't take the major hits and don't have major injuries, I think you can play at least until you're 40 uh, or maybe, you know, young 40s, but 45, like Tom, it's just... It's unbelievable, and what a for a Michigan Wolverine, especially for me, you know, alumni, just so happy for him, and really astounding what he has done. We'll touch on your Wolverines coming up in just a moment, by the way. And Chad Haney, two-time <laughs> Super Bowl champ with the Chiefs, uh, join a proud national champion alum of those Michigan Wolverines, joining us here on ESPN Radio. Take us into the just the film room with Patrick Mahomes. What's he like? Yeah, I mean, he's very detail-oriented. I mean, we would be in there Monday and Tuesday, watch as many games as we could, probably like six or seven in those two days. Um, Just as note-taking, not only in the film room, but in the meeting room, he's always writing his notes down. I'm sure you guys have heard throughout the process in media night that he handwrites everything, he rewrites it each and every day, like he's just starting over. So. He's a very smart individual. He can uh, pick up things very fast, but he's very in tune to learning the game, not just playing the game. It's just crazy to think that if he did play as long as Tom, we're talking 17 more years of this with Patrick (laughs) Mahomes. I mean, it's just unfathomable. Uh, Chad Henney, two-time Super Bowl champion, joining us here on Amber and Ian. How impressive, Chad, is the run this season that we're back in a Super Bowl here with Kansas City, but this offense struggled at times in the regular season. So this version of the Chiefs, how impressive is it for them to have this accomplishment once again? Yeah, I mean, obviously a lot of young guys, uh, especially in the skill position, uh, two new tackles on offense. So that in, adds into a lot. Um, I would say Andy Reid's offense is the easiest to learn. So there was definitely some stumbles here and there. and But obviously they figured out. But the biggest 
uh, improvement has been on defense. And those young defensive backs, and obviously Chris Jones getting his uh, you know plays in, have been tremendous. And I think the offense is really realizing that in the playoffs that they don't have to play a perfect game anymore. And you know, Patrick even said, I don't need to take the chances like I had to before because my defense is playing so well. I can check the ball down. I can play the field position game. And if he keeps doing that and they keep establishing the run, uh, it, it just keeps getting better for him. All right, Chad, we, we've heard a lot about Kelsey and Mahomes and this like twin sixth sense that they have with each other that you go watch him play and you turn on the tape and you're like, what the hell route was that? So how much do they really – I thought you are laughing now. How much are they truly improvising out there week in, week out, where it's just this innate sixth sense that they have with each other? Yeah, I mean, obviously the basics is the play. Uh, you know, Kelsey just doesn't run his own play. Uh, the play's called, and he understands uh, he has more freedom than anybody in the offense. And he was a former quarterback, so he understands zone defenses – and knows the windows that he needs to get into and who he's working off of. But at the same time, it's not so much. I mean, if he had a corner route, yeah, he could sit it down. He still turns out. And then usually if Patrick feels it and he knows it's not going to be there, that's when you see Kelsey kind of slide back in or away from that route. And that's where they really find the magic that they have. But I mean, even me just getting in, you know, very few snaps in the last five years, and if I was with Kelsey, it would be like, okay, he's probably going to turn around in this zone. He just sees what we see as a quarterback, and, you know, that's why they're so so good together. That's awesome. Former Chiefs quarterback, two-time Super Bowl champ, Chad Henney, joining us here on Amber and Ian. So since obviously you do know him so well, uh, what do you make of the whole Taylor Swift angle, Chad? Are you a Swifty? And how do you feel like Travis Kelsey is now handling international fame It seems a little bit differently than being famous in, in Kansas city. Yeah. I mean, the crazy thing is, is Taylor Swift grew up in our hometown in Pennsylvania and why missing Pennsylvania. So uh, I was actually at the pro bowl last week uh, doing some things. And I sat down with Jason Kelsey and he's like, Oh, I'm going to meet Kel- uh, Taylor's dad, Scott. And um, you know, it's going to be the first time, but you know, I think, you know, everybody's blowing it up, but you know, I, I feel like, I don't know if they're in love or not, but it seems like a good match. I mean, Kelsey's a high-profile guy, but at the same time, he's a people person. He's, uh, you know, willing to go out in the bar and just mix it up with anybody in Kansas City or wherever he's at. And obviously, Taylor has to live that filtered life, but I think that's going to open up her a little bit that, hey, maybe she can embrace and hang out with the fans, and the fans are only going to love that even more. So it's almost like a, you know, match match to be made so we'll, we'll see how it goes but they seem pretty happy and uh obviously it's getting a lot of attention chad i think uh jason skinning off and jumping out of the, of the suite probably opened her up a little <laughs> bit also right i mean that, that, that'll yeah, loosen and, you up I a mean, little bit <laughs> if your name doesn't end in kelsey i don't think anybody else is jumping out of any suite uh at any football game because security is going to be on you if i did that i'd be in that bottom jail underneath the stadium <laughs> in handcuffs. Yeah. Hey, there, it, does, a, it, it does rate differently when you're a Kelsey somehow. <laughs> there's a legend about you because we knew you obviously know you, you're coming on today. We made a, a couple phone calls to your alma mater. And this story that we heard is remarkable. Did you in your last year 
play through a separated throwing shoulder. You heard it at Illinois. You couldn't take a snap under center. You played five games without practicing during the entire week, only taking mental reps, and then played every single game after getting shot up. Is that true? Yep, it's true. And wow. uh, I mean, I think the craziest part was we shot it up against Wisconsin, which was the second to last game, and they hit my nerve. So uh, it completely went numb. I My first pass actually threw right into the stands. It just like got outside of my arm. And then the next one, I went to hand off to Mike Hart, and my arm dropped. And I kind of just looked at the sideline. I'm like, this isn't right. So like, oh, just wear off. I'm like, this thing does this shot doesn't wear off for like three or four hours. The game's gonna be over before this ever happens. But yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I always pride I was a running back and linebacker when I was in uh you know, growing up until I got to high school. So I never really played quarterback. So I had that toughness background in me that, you know, I never let an injury, you know, affect me. Wow. <laughs> That is I mean, that, that's mental toughness right there, man. Yeah. Uh, Silver seems pretty important when you're a quarterback, but okay. Uh, yeah, I mean, Lloyd Michigan. Carr would be saying, "Hey, Chad, do you really you can't practice there." I'm like, actually, I mean, I can't even pick up a ball. Like, it hurts so bad for me to throw because uh, it was. I think it was a grade three, so it was almost on the border of do I get surgery, do I not? And you know, it was my senior year, so I was like, let's just stick it out and keep doing what we're doing, and we'll fight through it. Those Michigan Wolverines, you wonder why they just took down a national championship right there, man. Mental toughness to the end. Hey, by the way, we'd be remiss. Jim Harbaugh going to the Chargers with Justin Herbert. How do you think that marriage is going to work out? I think it'll be great. I mean, everywhere Jim has gone has really developed that quarterback and kind of made him his own. And I think Justin will definitely benefit from it. He's going to take a little pressure off him. Obviously, you see how Michigan was run. With good run game, you know, big guys up front playing very good defense, but everything's going to be detail oriented and really help Justin progress as a young guy. I mean, say he's young, he's in what year five right now, um, but he's a tremendous athlete. He's a great thrower, and uh, you know, I just hate to see him go to AFC West because you're going to have to deal with the Chiefs every every year. Uh, he is going to have to deal with that, but I'm sure you feel great for your alma mater, former Michigan quarterback, former Chiefs quarterback, two-time Super Bowl champ, Chad Henney. Thanks so much for your time, Chad. Sure. Thanks for having me, guys. Coming up next here on Amber and Ian, lots of stuff happening in Las Vegas right now. Viva Las Vegas. But Ian will tell you why the Oilers won't win their 17th straight My game there. Hurts first. That, that is next here <laughs> on ESPN Radio. Bet till your hands bleed. Fitzsimmons, you're on ESPN Radio. We are 49-28-2 and bet till your hands bleed against the number. And tonight, the NHL returns from All-Star Weekend in Vegas, Super Bowl in Vegas. Oilers going to try and tie the record for the most consecutive wins in a row at 17 with the Pittsburgh Penguins in the history of the great game of hockey. This game exclusively on ESPN and Hulu, 10 p.m. Eastern tonight. And I am going against history. Give me the Vegas Golden Knights on the money line, plus 126. Mark Stone Carlson, I don't care who dents the twine. I don't care if it's Hill or Logan Thompson between the pipes. Get it done tonight. Why? Because James Steele, our producer, is a diehard Pens fan. 
Are you not? I thought yeah, you were. No, yeah, absolutely. I can't, That's what I said. Can't you started t- shaking can't, your head. Yeah, shaking my head. Can't tie him. Can't tie the 92-93 Pens. One Vegas. of the best teams ever. Get it done tonight. Take the Golden Knights on the money line. Bet to your hands bleed. The Chiefs are in their fourth Super Bowl in five years. I mean, they should have all that attention. While we might be under the radar, I guess, to people on the outside, I think the Chiefs are very aware that we're not under the radar at all. When you look back on it, it was definitely a time of, like, now or never, like, let's refocus, let's, let's get this thing going. But every journey is different, so it's definitely appreciated that we had to go through that. But it don't mean nothing if you don't come out this uh, last game with a victory. With Mahomes' experience now, I mean, that's why no matter what type of game it is, whether it's low scoring, high scoring, whether they're struggling or not, I mean, they always have a chance. Las Vegas, Nevada is a buzzing. Nevada, according to people that live there. It's Nevada to me. I'm Nevada. I mean, what do they know? They only live there. <laughs> They're only from there, right? Nevada. Yeah. It's just weird to me. I think it's New Orleans. Here. It's supposed to be it's Las not, Vegas, Nevada. It's Nevada? not New Orleans. It's, not, it's New Orleans. New Orleans. Yeah, people call it New Orleans. No, no, no. It's New Orleans. People get real weird about this stuff, though. You know? Oh. Are you an aunt or aunt? When you're coming to a rel- relative, aunt or aunt? You know, I don't. I don't know. I switched that one back and forth. I'm aunt because all the way. I, I think I used to always refer to it as an aunt, but then I referred to myself as Auntie Amber. <laughs> and what like my goddaughters call me Auntie Amber, <laughs> and my Amber? nephews and my niece call me Auntie Amber. But you refer so, to your aunts as aunts. But then I. But when I was growing up as a kid, I referred to yes, my aunt as an aunt. Yeah, the, the the levels with it's you. Weird. I mean, yeah, it, 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 this runs deep. It's ants. I got I it's got ants. it all covered. Yeah. I got all my bases covered. It's Nevada. There you go. Nev- Nevada. You live there. Not Nevada. Nevada. Unless you live there, then it's Las Vegas, Nevada. Uh, if you live there, this is probably an annoying week <laughs> uh, because. Nevada, Nevada, about to get crazy. Tuesday, it's Super Tuesday, of course, as we head towards Super Bowl 58 on Sunday. Tuesday is mild. Monday, there was nobody on Radio Row yet. I, you had the big, the big setups, the setups on the outside of Radio Row, because all the, if you've never been to Radio Row, like your hugest setups are on the outside, your very fancy setup, serious, whatever. ESPN obviously used to do it. We don't have a presence, but McAfee, for example, is on the outside of Radio Row this year. And then inside Radio Row is kind of all the lesser stations. That was cavernous yesterday. Nobody was there. So the setups were there. But the actual talent wasn't there yet. Today, it starts picking up a little bit speed. You had media day yesterday, so people started to kind of get into town and get the sound bites and whatever. Throughout the week, you'll start having more and more fans show up because it's a commitment if you're a fan. And there were fans already there for media day yesterday. It is a commitment to go for the entire week of events. Oh, hell yeah. And it, and it hits you in the pocket, too. I mean, can you imagine? Yeah. What, what's the average hotel? Can we Google that, please? Uh, the old Google search. What is the average hotel room in Vegas? The good thing about Vegas is there's a lot of options. One advantage of having a Super Bowl in Vegas is that there's a lot of options. It's obviously a city set up for events. It's an event town. So it's a great place to have an event. I, I don't know. I don't have the average cost. Uh, we'll look for it. I but Rachel's on that right I would now. imagine that it ain't cheap. I know exactly. that Luxor, I think the Luxor is the media hotel this year. And, and right now it's a big Dorito, by the way, the Luxor. Because, you know, it's a pyramid, the Luxor. Genius so by Doritos. Doritos. 
Yes, they have they have rented out the entire, I guess, facade of the Luxor to just project a Dorito onto the. So the Luxor itself is turned into a Dorito. <laughs> just brilliant. James, you got the average price? Looks like, I mean, I'm, I'm just, you know, a quick Google search, like five seventy five ish. Wow. Okay. So if you're going all something, week. Something like all that. All week. Woo. It's a commitment. And then you've got, and then if you are, if you're going to Super Bowl parties and Super Bowl events, which those happen, those tend to happen later in the week. So things start picking up Monday, Tuesday, people are kind of trickling in Wednesday. And then the parties and events all get going really Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Like that's when it's lit in Vegas. So you got to be there by Thursday and then you got to get the hell out. There's only so many days you can spend in Las Vegas, Nevada. It, it is insane what's going on there. And then, and then tonight, you, I mean, as I just mentioned, in Bet to Your Hands Bleed, you have the Oilers chasing the pens to tie history going for 17 straight wins. I mean, that's unbelievable. Uh, yep. they've, they've won nine on the road. Now, people forget Golden Knights, they're the reigning champs. They ain't chopped liver tonight. So that, that's why I went with, uh, with, with the pens. At home, coming off the All-Star break. I mean, Vegas is just rocking and rolling right now. And then you've got the mayor out there who has now turned into – like Dallas used to have a mayor we referred to as Madam No because she said no to everything as far as athletics going into downtown Dallas. I mean, just – so now we, do we have now, Amber, a new Madam No emerging in Vegas because the mayor in Vegas is, is saying, you know what? Um, hey, Oakland A's, if you don't take the site we recommended for your stadium, for your ballpark, why don't you consider staying in Oakland? Right. Well, this she is amazing. To, so the mayor, so there's a lot going on in Las Vegas. Baseball might not be one of those things because right. although the MLB owners have unanimously approved the Oakland A's to move to Las Vegas, the city apparently isn't very thrilled with where the Oakland A's ownership is trying to put the ballpark. They chose the old Tropicana Casino site, which is on the Las Vegas Strip. So this is building a ballpark basically on the Strip. And the mayor of Las Vegas is saying that it doesn't make any sense. She told Front Office Sports in a podcast that it doesn't make any sense from a logistics perspective, from a traffic perspective, that the site that they had showed him, that... They, that they had showed this ownership group made a lot more sense in terms of actually getting people in and out of the ballpark and the actual fan experience in the ballpark. And the Oakland A's ownership wants no to be smack dab on the strip, which apparently the city ain't very happy about. So that's going to be an interesting situation. Not surprising the Oakland A's ownership would be doing something that other people don't approve on. Right. Because, Mayor, I mean. Mayor, Mayor Goodman's going, if you don't listen to the boots on the ground, just stay, stay in Oakland. Yeah, well, and I mean, the way that the things have been handled with the A's, the lack of experience that they gave their fans just made it a terrible experience, didn't give them a product to watch at all in the ballpark, then used that to strong arm a move to Las Vegas. There's so many disgusting things here, Ooh. frankly, that have happened with the Oakland A's, and now this. Coming up next here on Amber and Ian, we continue to roll on as we head towards Super Bowl 58 here on ESPN Radio.